The scripture reading tonight is Colossians 1, verses 27 through 29. Colossians 1, 27 through 29, and that's page 983 in the Pew Bibles. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of the mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy, and he powerfully works within me. It's good to see all of you this evening. Um, I've got a sermon before the sermon. And so the sermon before the sermon is specifically to our young people. I want to talk to y'all for just a minute. Everybody else listen in, but I'm talking to them, okay? And those of you who are scattered around the auditorium that also are the young people. We have a next door neighbor that is not a member of the church. In fact, she doesn't even have a background in Christianity at all. Um, She has come to church with us twice. This morning she came, the second time. Um, She comes from a different country, doesn't know anything about Jesus, doesn't know anything about the gospel. Both times that she's come, you want to know what she's remarked on? She has said, I am very impressed with the young people at the church because I look over and I see them paying attention. I see them singing. I see them taking notes. I see them sitting and behaving respectfully without any parents or anybody knocking on their heads. She is very impressed by that. And I just wanted to tell you that in front of everybody else because... You never know who's watching, do you? And when you think about it, it makes all of our hearts happy. And adults will say amen to this. It makes our hearts happy when we look over and we can see you singing. We can see you paying attention, taking notes, those kinds of things. We have, brothers and sisters, some of the finest young people anywhere. Amen? And we're thankful for you and we're thankful for your faith. But keep our next door neighbor in your prayers. She's, she's thinking about a lot of things, but I just wanted to let you know that that's the one thing that she has mentioned both times. I'm really impressed with the young people, how they behaved, how they acted, and it's made an impact on her. When we worship God, it's not just about us and God, is it? It's about the other people around us as well. And that makes a difference. And we're thankful for those that worship in spirit and in truth, especially our young people. All right, sermon before the sermon is over. Let's talk about the other sermon. Open your Bibles, if you would, in just a moment to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. The very favorite flavor of ice cream that Bluebell sells is plain vanilla. Maybe you knew that, maybe you didn't. Bluebell's best-selling flavor of ice cream is plain vanilla. Well, the sermon tonight is what we might call plain vanilla, but plain vanilla is good for us. And what I want you to do with me tonight is this. I want you to get your Bible out, and I want you to turn with me to a number of passages because, brothers and sisters and friends, it matters where you're located. It matters where you are. There is a place in Jesus Christ that is safe, that is protected. In Jesus Christ, you find salvation. If you're looking at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, the Bible says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You see that? 
God is saying that there is safety, there is salvation, there is hope. All those things are to be found in Christ. It matters where you're located. And I want us to think tonight about the fact that in the first place, God has always worked this way. He has always said that there are certain blessings that can only be found in certain locations. And I want you to ask yourself tonight the question, am I located in Christ and in Christ alone? With that in mind, let's begin by looking at some examples in Scripture of some located blessings. Get your Bibles. Again, this is going to be kind of a classy sermon, looking at a number of passages together, okay, or preachy class, whichever way you want to call it, okay? Turn to 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 20. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 20. Peter writes about what happened with Noah back in Genesis chapter 6. And in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 20, Peter writes... In times past, people were formerly disobedient when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which, talking about the ark, a few, that is eight souls, were saved through water. God had told Noah to build an ark, and Peter is making the point that everyone who was located in the ark when it started raining was saved. Everybody who was located outside that ark was lost, perished. Those eight souls, only eight, a vast minority, they found blessings in the ark. God located his blessings of salvation and safety in that ark that Noah built. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 17 and look at verses 3 and 4. It matters where we are. In 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 3 and 4, in the Old Testament, Elijah the prophet comes onto the scene. He just drops out of nowhere, it seems, in 1 Kings 17, verse 1. And all of a sudden, there's a famine in the land, and God tells Elijah to do something. It's 1 Kings 17, verse 3. Get away from here, he says, and turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be, Elijah, that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. Elijah, you go down by the brook and you stay there. And that's where I'm going to provide for you. That's where I'm going to sustain you. That's where I'm going to send the ravens. Don't go to some other location, Elijah. You go where I've told you and I will take care of you and you can trust me. That's what God said to Elijah. And then in the very next thought, look in verses nine and 10. When the brook dried up, God said to Elijah in verse 9, 1 Kings 17, verse 9, Arise, Elijah, go to Zarephath. That's a long way away from where Elijah had been. It belongs to Sidon and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. And so Elijah rose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. Elijah, go to Zarephath. I'm going to provide for you there, God says. The point, brothers and sisters and friends, is that it matters whether you listen to God and it matters where you are located. If you're in the ark, you're saved. If you're out of the ark, you die. If you go to the brook Cherith, you'll be provided with ravens bringing your food and the brook to drink from. If you don't listen, you can't count on God's provision. If God says go to Zarephath, go and trust him. Turn to 2 Kings chapter 5 and look at verses 10 and verse 12. Naaman, the Syrian general. In 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 10 and verse 12. 
Naaman wanted to be cured of his leprosy, and the man of God, Elisha, sent a messenger to him in 2 Kings 5, verse 10, saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you and shall be clean. Naaman was angry about that. It goes on and says in 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse 12, are not the Abana and the Parfar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? And he turned and he went away in a rage. Naaman, if you want to be cured of your leprosy, the Jordan River is where it's going to happen. I don't want to go to the Jordan River. I don't like the waters of the Jordan River. And yet, that was where God provided his blessing. Did it really matter? I mean, in the grand scheme of things, could God have healed him in the waters of Damascus? Yes, but the point is, that's not where God told him to go. The point is, it matters what God tells us to do. Where we are located matters. One more passage to think about. Turn to John chapter nine and look at verse seven. Jesus sometimes used this idea of located blessings. Go to certain places, do certain things, and you will find cleansing, you'll find healing. There's a man who is blind. And this is an interesting miracle because Jesus spits on the ground and makes clay and anoints the man's eyes. And then it says in John chapter nine, verse seven, Jesus gives instructions to this man. He says, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. And the man went and he washed and he came back seeing. Notice the emphasis of scripture in John chapter nine, verse seven. The man listened, he went he washed and he came back. There's a journey that takes place. I know Jesus well enough to know that Jesus could have just said the word and the man could have received his sight. He didn't have to wash in that particular pool, did he? But Jesus chose of his own sovereign will to say, go wash in that particular pool and you will find your sight. And when the man obeyed by faith, he received the blessing that was promised. It matters where we're located. God has used this notion, this idea of located blessings all through history. And I want you to notice secondly tonight that being in Christ is where every spiritual blessing is located. You got your Bibles? Let's look at some passages. Look at 2 Timothy 2 and verse 10. When someone is located in Christ, and really there are only two options, you are either in Christ or you are out of Christ. There is no door number three. You're not halfway in. You're not just a little bit in. You're either in him or you're not in him. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 10, Paul writes, therefore I endure all things for the sake of the elect that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. God said and ordained that people who are saved are the people who are in Christ. That's important. It matters where you're located. You can find salvation in no other person, in no other place. Acts chapter 4, verse 13, there's no other name given among heaven by which we may be saved. Acts 4, 12 and 13. John 14, 6, as we talked about this morning, no one comes to the Father, Jesus says, but through me. When we are in Christ, we possess salvation. When we're out of Christ, we're lost. Turn to another passage. Turn to Ephesians 1.3. Look at what we mentioned just a moment ago. In Christ and in him alone, we find every spiritual blessing. 
What does he mean by every spiritual blessing? You know, that would be an interesting devotional to have just in your own private study. What does it mean to have every spiritual blessing in Christ? I'll give you a kind of a, a number of things to start with. In Christ, we find forgiveness. In Christ, we find atonement for our sin. In Christ, we find the blessings of fellowship. In Christ, we find the idea of being right with God and saved from the day of wrath that is still to come for the entire world. In Christ, we find these kinds of things. And it's amazing to stop and imagine all the blessings that we receive because we are located in Christ. It matters where you are. Next, turn to 2 Corinthians 5, and I want you to look at verse 17. The terminology matters. We talk about and emphasize the idea of being a new creation, but notice in 2 Corinthians 5, the emphasis is not just on the idea of being a new creation. It says in verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that's the prerequisite, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if you're in Christ, then it says you are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So when I'm located in Christ, new creation, I've been born again, new creation. Turn to 1 Corinthians 1 verse 2. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 2. Paul writes to a congregation of New Testament Christians meeting in Corinth, and it's fascinating to look at how he refers to this group of people. They had some doctrinal problems, they had some division problems, and yet he writes to them as people who are in Christ. Do they have things that need to be corrected? Oh, yes, but they are in Christ. Watch this. He says in in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 2, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus called to be saints with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. What he's saying is, if you are in Christ, you are by definition a part of the body, the church of Christ. The two are one and the same. To be in Christ is to be in his church. And the word church just means assembly. It means a group, a group that belongs to Jesus. When we're in Christ, we are a part of, we are a member of the church that he died to save. When we're in the church, by definition, we have become part of the church because we are in Christ. You see how this works? So you're a new creation, you are in the church, you receive every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. All these things are located in Christ. Turn to 1 Thessalonians 4 and look at verses 14 through 16. As we think about this this idea of being located in Christ. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 14 through 16, the apostle writes, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, And the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Again, the idea of being located in Christ matters. Where are you located? Where is your life? Where is your anchor? Are you in him and in him alone? If so, you're prepared for his return, whether you're living or whether you've already left this world. You're prepared. The dead in Christ will rise first. 
what being in Christ means. Turn to one more passage, Revelation 14 and verse 13. Revelation 14, verse 13, listen to what John says as he contemplates people who have left this world. In John 14, verse 13, then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, write, Revelation 14, 13, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord, in Christ from now on. Yes, says the spirit that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. If you are in Christ, brothers and sisters, you are ready to die. It doesn't necessarily mean you've got all your worldly affairs in order, but it does mean that spiritually you're ready. To be in Christ means blessed are those who die in the Lord from now on. A lot of blessings from being in Christ, aren't there? Then the question becomes, well, how does one become located in Christ? How do I move from being outside of Christ to being in Christ? How is it that I get to that point where, like Naaman, I go down to the Jordan River and I dip seven times? Or like Elijah, I go down to the brook Cherith and I spend my time there waiting on God to provide. How do I become located in Christ? These passages are important. Turn to Romans 10, verse 17. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. I want you to turn there with me. Sometimes we kind of assume, well, everybody knows this. Everybody's heard this. We talk about it at every lesson as we give the invitation. We talk about these things. Think about what's being said here. Romans 10, 17. So then, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How does a person come to faith? Faith comes to you when you hear and when you accept the message that comes from Jesus into your heart. And when you agree that God is right and the things that that, that God's saying to you that are wrong, those things are wrong. When you agree with that message, that's what faith is. I agree. I hear the gospel. I hear the message about how Jesus is the only way I can be saved and I want to be in Christ You need to hear. You need to spend time learning and studying and growing and understanding what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Second passage, turn to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. How does one become located in Christ? You know, this would be a great discussion to have with some of our friends who are not New Testament Christians. How do I become located? If God put all spiritual blessings in Christ, and if only those who are in Christ can enjoy these blessings, how does one get into Christ? It says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So, We are to not just hear the message, we are to believe everything that the Bible tells us about ourselves, about our condition, and about our Savior and what he's done for us. How does one get into Christ? We must repent of our sin. Turn to Acts 17 and verse 30. Acts 17 verse 30. The Bible talks about a time when Paul preached to some philosophers on Mars Hill. 
And I've always been fascinated by the way he concluded this sermon. The sermon was all about God and how God is the creator and he doesn't dwell in temples made with hands and we shouldn't assume that we can build a house for him. Rather, he's the one that built a habitation for us. That's Paul's sermon. But then when he gets to the end, it's almost like it makes sense, but it almost, it's almost like he changes the subject. He doesn't, but he goes to talking about Jesus in the end of his sermon. And so in Acts 17, verse 30, he says, truly these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. To repent means to change our minds and then to change our actions. Repentance is a change of mind that leads to a change in behavior. I thought I was living the right way, but I'm not. I'm changing my mind about what God has said. I listen to him and I'm gonna change to do what he tells me I need to do. That's repentance. And then he goes on and says in verses 31 and 32, he has appointed a day God has when he will judge the world in righteousness by the man that he has ordained. He's given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. Repent. You cannot get into Christ without changing your mind about who God is and about what God's plan for you is all about. Next, how does one become located in Christ? We must confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We must say it out loud with our mouths. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Open to Romans 10 and look at verses 9 and 10. Romans 10 verses 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, Romans 10 verse 9, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. We have previously made the case that being in Christ means that we have salvation. We possess salvation when we are in Christ. Confession is an essential element of coming to a place where we are saved. There's one more thing. You can do all these things that are on the screen behind me and you can still be lost. You can still be outside of Christ. Many, many people in the world do a lot of these things that are on the screen behind me and they believe they're in Christ, but the Bible says otherwise, God's words matter. Turn in your Bibles to Romans 6 and verse 3. Romans chapter 6 and verse 3. If we would be in Christ, we must be baptized into Christ. In Romans chapter 6 and verse 3. Do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. If you like to underline in your Bible, you can underline that word into. There are only two English verses that tell you how to get into Christ. They are Romans 6, verse 3, and Galatians 3, verse 27. Did you know that both of those verses say that we are baptized into Christ? Romans 6, 3, Galatians 3, 27. All these other passages that we looked at, none of these have said how to get into Christ in those terms. Romans 6 and Galatians 3 tell you. We are baptized into Christ. When we are baptized, friends, what happens is we are being buried with Christ. We are being raised with Christ to walk in newness of life. We put our faith in the working of God, in his power, not our own. Colossians 2, verses 11 through 14. 
Being located in Christ means that you're baptized. Having done all these other things through faith and submission to the wonderful will of Almighty God, it matters where you're located. Can you say tonight in all honesty that you are located in Christ, that you have obeyed the gospel as it's spelled out in all of its simplicity, in all of its magnificence? Can you genuinely say, I know that I am located in Christ? If so, you are above all people most blessed. If not, why don't you make that right before you leave this building tonight? Come to Jesus Christ, obey the gospel, be baptized, and live your life located in Christ and Christ alone. If we can help you obey the gospel this evening, make your way down the aisle while together we stand and while we sing.